Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm speaking with Brandon Edenfield, who is the Managing Director of Application Modernization at Advanced. So, Brandon, welcome to today's show, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having me. I think a good starting off point is if you wouldn't mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background on yourself. So I've been in this space of modernization for 30 years plus. I've had a number of different companies, some my own and some working for others. I now run the modernization practice at Advanced, formerly called Modern Systems. They acquired us back in July. And we focus mainly on, and I have throughout my career, on automated modernizations, trying to help people use automated technologies to facilitate a, a, a less risky and lower cost speedier way to a first step in modernization. So I've been in this business for a long time. Excellent. You are the perfect man to speak to then on this topic, because today we're going to be looking at the new report that came out from Advanced, and that ended up showing that 74% of organizations fail to complete legacy system modernization products and other key findings around modernization challenges. So To kind of kick off the podcast, it would be great if you could kind of give us your key takeaways from the report and what really stood out to you. We've been in this business for so long. A lot of this was confirming, and it was really nice to see that an independent study would confirm kind of the reasons we're in the space at all, right? But I think some of the standouts to me were, you know, 98% of these organizations are moving to the cloud versus a traditional distributed architecture model. And that's a shift from even two years ago. The cloud's definitely a solid choice. But I think I was a little surprised it was that high, and that's a very strong motivator. So that's a good indicator that this is something that's not going to change soon. It was also interesting for me to see an acknowledgement that 74%, which is quite a lot of projects, they never complete. I mean, we've kind of seen that, uh, and there's reasons for that that we believe we kind of understand in, in solutions like ours. And there's a lot of them. It's not just us can help mitigate some of that risk. But I think that it was good to see that that was substantiated with a study. And also that there are significant cost savings to this project. And in the past, we've seen that as the driver. And now I think that business people are getting more involved and the drivers aren't all cost. It's agility and the business benefit. I mean, we saw that a third of the people think they have a customer benefit to this, which is great. You know, the move to the cloud is a motivator, not just an after the fact, we get the benefit. So it's nice to see that people aren't just basing it on cost, that they are seeing a real advantage to move. So those were kind of my takeaways. There were a lot more, but those were my three big ones. And we'll obviously get to cloud because that's such a big uptake at the moment, especially with what we're seeing going on. People are kind of seeing that shift. But what I mentioned in the intro and what you were mentioning there, the, the kind of main takeaway of nearly three quarters, that's that's a staggering number when you think about it for not completing those projects. So what do you reckon are the main causes of such a high rate of failure? So there are so many different approaches that companies have that they can take to do a modernization from a rewrite, completely taking everything, putting it on the shelf and hiring someone to rethink their business to replatform, moving the same kind of languages to the same kind of languages. And we're somewhere in the middle, right? So the things that we advocate a little bit are just moving to a cloud-ready state, getting into the modern environment, modern uh, languages, and then taking a staged approach to it. I think that what we've seen is people get convinced that they want to go from 
you know, A to Z in one jump. And they get convinced, whether it's from vendors or through their own need, that the only way to get these funded is to give their management a perfect nirvana situation where they go from these 30-year-old applications to a perfectly pure you know, Java or .NET environment, and that this somehow is possible and, and it's going to work. And, and the problem we see is that you know, these applications have been written, you know, COBOL, for example, was started in the 50s. So these things have evolved over many, many years. They're not well documented, and if they're documented at all, people who know these applications are gone or leaving, and most of them are gone now. So there's really no knowledge on what these things do. So a lot of times they get started, and because the target is moving, business needs change, all this technology in the cloud is changing every day. I mean, you, you have one set of technology now, and literally six months later, people are wanting a new technology. So that target is shifting. So when you don't know where you start, really, you're trying to figure out what you need to do from the existing applications, and the end state keeps changing all the time, it makes it very difficult to hit that target. You know, we also see that people go to partners. They have these traditional vendors that have done a very good job for them over the years, and they just go back to these same vendors to do the project, and they don't realize these are very specialized projects, and automation is a key, and you do need to engage with specialty vendors, maybe not instead of these people, but in the mix to help you understand this project, not just generic projects. And many times the politics, they don't allow that to be done as well as it could, and they mm. get into trouble with that. And I think for us, one of the biggest kind of secret ones is the management team at the executive level has to not only buy in, but they have to tell the team it's serious, right? They, they can't kind of say, we want this project done. In many cases, these teams span multiple areas of the company. So you've got the business, you've got the technology from an application side, you've got the technology from the infrastructure side. Everyone has executives, you've got the network people, the security people, and everyone's in charge. And if everyone's in charge, you have a problem. So the executives have to enable people and come in and just say, hey, this is a serious project and there's no option but to finish and succeed. And sometimes those things fall short. Projects are underestimated. It's interesting that you mentioned in that kind of leadership role and how that kind of trickles down because there sometimes is that disconnect, isn't there, of up top to the teams that are actually implemented. So how do we get to a point of kind of improving that relationship and getting that communication to funnel down better to understand the importance of projects and how to deliver on them effectively? I think that the IT teams, I think they're pretty capable of figuring this out. The problem is sometimes they're not enabled. Sometimes they're not allowed to listen to the specialties of these projects. So, mm. you know, it's like a family, right? Sometimes the dad and the mom don't need so much the relationship with the kids. They need to basically let the kids know that they're in charge. And I think if the executive leadership enables someone, maybe one person that crosses all the boundaries and all leaders across the group know that this person says they need this done, they have the authority to get it done, then that's the first step, right? There has to be someone in charge across the groups. I'm not sure that it's so necessary to have the relationship as to have the authority put a person in charge that crosses all of the different areas of the business. So the executive team says, I will make this happen. We do have the resolve. We are not going to stop until it's successful. And this person has authority over all these leaders. And when they say what they say, they need to have the rule to make it happen. And then to participate in these calls so that when a person's voice is heard, 
there's an executive that crosses all the political boundaries and can actually act on things and make it work through all this politics. I think that we find helps a lot. People know that that executive is a commitment. They're braver and they, and they actually, actually sometimes you see them even work harder because they want to make that impression. And the visibility on these projects is huge. Yeah, 100% agree with that. If we delve into, obviously, cloud implementation as a whole, it's something that we're seeing an uptick in, and we're probably going to see an uptick in over the next year to five years, for sure, with what's been going on at the moment. But before organizations kind of get to that point, what choices do they need to make if they're still on this legacy-based system when implementing the cloud strategy, and how do they really leverage it correctly for their organization? So that's a very, very important question. And I think that a lot of companies overlook this. So when these modernization projects begin, a lot of times it's focused almost solely on the applications, the data, the functionality, and what the application and the security environment, for example, are. But people tend to forget or trivialize the infrastructure portion and the operational portion of these systems. The cloud is a unique thing. It horizontally scales. It's commodity-based, right? So there's a, a, a lot of specifics that make a cloud valuable over a traditional infrastructure. These systems have been built ignoring any of those benefits, right? They've been built in a monolithic fashion. They've been written in procedural logic, which means they stay in a contained place. They're vertically scalable, not horizontally scalable. And like with the IBM mainframe Z-series, they're very IO intensive. They're very specific to the hardware platform and they need a lot more power than a traditional cloud would provide. There's no real answer of how. There is just an answer of somebody must sit down and, and have the experience on what these legacy needs are and architect that cloud infrastructure to that specific, right? You can use commodity hardware for some of these. You can horizontally scale in some, but you may need to be a little bit more thoughtful on how you do the modernization, but that has to be a part of it. There has to be a very focused, not just build a web application and throw some cloud infrastructure up that would work for that, but to gear it toward exactly what these applications needed from the legacy. And I think that's often overlooked. And the operational aspects of it as well, there's some very specific you know, operational needs that organizations need in these legacy systems, and they have to be mapped to the right cloud models, or you may get this thing perfectly done and working, but you're delayed because nobody thought about this. They have to perform. I think another element that comes with that is the data management aspect of it as well. So what do you think the implications of people not considering the data management sector when they move to that, uh, that data cloud option? Yeah, I think it's the same, right? I think that they must consider it. And, you know, a lot of times the data that's being moved from the legacy have different components. Maybe it's more or less integrated than it would have been if you wrote it from scratch. And, and you definitely have to, um, to take all that into consideration when you move. And it's a custom map. That's why I said before, sometimes just the traditional model that you use to go about getting a project done needs to get augmented by specialty people to make sure just what you said, just the question you asked is farther than some organizations go. <laughs> they just say, I'm, I'm moving it to a database that's in the system. I'm just going to throw it in. Yeah. And, and they don't think about it. And, you know, one more thing you just made me think about is, you know, a lot of companies are trying to go to these new, I'll call them cloud databases. I won't name any names, but not the traditional type uh, legacy database. And in some cases that works, but in other cases, just to your point, they have to make sure that the functionality that these applications needed in the data exists in 
those new databases because we have found absolutely in some of these popular databases that may work for new dev, they just don't support the features that these applications require. And if you don't know that going in, you can have a huge problem in the middle of the project. And that's where that 74% happens. Some companies just give up. They see this as an insurmount. Oh, we didn't know that. Oh my God, this is different. And they just give up. And that's the worst thing they can do. It's kind of scary as well when you talk about it in that sense that there isn't this planning, there isn't cost implementation, there isn't the strategy from that standpoint and looking at whether we should do this by use cases or is it more of a workload thing, is it a holistic approach? And it's those kind of elements that need to be considered. So who does that fall to to kind of map that out effectively? Again, it depends on the organization, right? Everybody's got their own motivation. So people like us have seen dozens or hundreds of these types of projects, and we've seen a lot of the pitfalls. It's not so much that we can make the perfect roadmap how to get there, but we can sure tell you where the potholes are and where the landmines are buried. And in each project, everybody sees something new. The trick is to shrink that new problem list down as you get experience. And There's a lot of slideware out there where people are coming into the market saying, I have a new tool or look at this pretty picture and and companies buy off on that. And, you know, our tools, for example, have been written over the last 25 years and we're still finding new things we don't see in our software that companies have. So you have to put the team together. You have to thoughtfully think of everything. And the most important thing, you have to go into this knowing you're going to find things you missed. And you better have the team that's going to going to kind of be able to resolve those. The proven record of of finding things you don't know and then fixing. There is no one size fits all. No. There is a combination of vendors and partners that a company should bring in to do this. And I think a lot of times for us it's common sense. But you add the politics and you add the why do I want to pay to do this when I should be doing that? Well, because you have to. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a. Uh... A great kind of takeaway that a lot of people should pay attention to there is no one size fits all every organization is business every approach is different for for what they're looking for but having that planning in place is key and paramount for sure and there's kind of one last thing i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on if we if we look towards the future of where all of this is heading data modernization cloud it's here to stay it's growing exponentially we we see this day in day out but from your standpoint, what does the future look like for this cloud implementation and legacy system modernization? Where do you hope it's going to be going? Oh, you used the word hope. I love the word hope. I did use the word I, hope, yes. <laughs> now I can't be wrong. I can just give you my hope. So, exactly. so I've been doing this for a long time. And of course, I would like to have a business that gets a $100 million rewrite project, right? And the problem is those are often the ones that fail. Mm-hmm. Every time one of those projects fails, A number of customers say, this can't be done. They don't say, I did it wrong. They don't say, look, I didn't pick the right path. They say, this project can't be done. And that is what we fight every day. We personally have not failed at a project in our history. Now, that doesn't mean all the projects are great every minute, but they always start and they always end. And the customers always get the benefit that they have intended to get if they stick with it. And so... I think what I hope is customers are going to stop trying to get to perfection in one bite and they're going to realize the benefit of a step one implementation. And again, to us, get to a cloud ready state where all of your technology is now into a modern framework 
And now look to the next step. Maybe during the process they can optimize somewhat, like take some of the horizontal scalability included or some low-hanging fruit. But don't take on those gorillas in the middle of the first step. Make sure you get one successful move, and then you have the platform. It's like pouring a good foundation on a house. It's not sexy, but once it's there, anything you build on top of it will stand the test of time. And that's what we're hoping people will recognize is that this has to be done you will not be competitive, and you can pick the number of years, whether it's 5, 10, or 20. But at some point, if your competitors get there first, you may have a competitive situation that you can't meet. This isn't a two-week project. It's a 12- to 24-month project or longer, or you will not be able to adapt to the changes you need to if you don't start proactively. It's not a defensive move. And we hope that that's what customers start to see. I don't know if, if you heard about the state of New Jersey, but the state of New Jersey with this COVID situation had a 1,600% increase in unemployment claims and their systems couldn't handle it because they were legacy and not built for that kind of unexpected traffic. Mm. Now, they can't fix it in a reasonable time. The only thing that's good for them is there is no competitor that can process those unemployment claims. So customers couldn't go somewhere else. Can you imagine if that was a commercial application and your competitor down the road had done this already? That would have been a disaster. Yeah, game over, really. Right, game over. Yeah, I think that's a, a very apt warning for a lot of organizations to take on board. And I have this conversation quite a lot. And we give these warnings, but still they don't heed <laughs> what what's being said. So hopefully we're now in a position with what's been happening. They're seeing the results and they're seeing what could happen and they, they do follow through. But only time will tell us, they say. So we'll have to wait and see. But Brandon, thank you very much for coming on today's episode. It's been great to kind of get your insights and see where all of this is heading. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much. Of course. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We hope you took a lot away from it. If you'd like more information, then head on over to oneadvance.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Experts series. Until then, head on over to em360tech.com for more great content. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.